0: Back everybody, this is the Prepared Mindset podcast, and I am your host Austin. And if you guys are listening to this, this is actually my first delayed release podcast episode uh, since I've launched this uh, launches podcast. You know, a little over two years ago. Uh, at the time of this recording, um, it's actually. Uh, Friday the 12th. Um, this will be coming out later in the week as I am actually doing something I didn't think I was going to do again. And I'm actually taking some time off and uh, going out and teaching a high school uh, band camp, <clears throat> actually. So I'll be out, um, you know, un- I'll be unplugging a little bit, you know, a lot less screen time, a lot more time uh, outside, getting soaking up that vitamin D, you know, uh, out in the sun uh, you know, touching grass as, uh, the guys over at Orion training group, like to say, uh, you know, grounding myself and really just trying to, to relax a little bit and, and not, you know, be so about the technology and the social media and, <clears throat> you know, the stuff with work and all the other crap that goes with it. Um, you know, music was my first passion in life, honestly, and is still a huge part of, uh, of who I am personally and, and what I do. And, um, you know, I, I kind of thought I would talk a little bit about that today and how that has played into where I sit currently, how music helped shape uh, myself and my skill sets and my mentality and my mindset. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of parallels there and uh, honestly, it's kind of a cool story I'd like to share. So we're going to get into that in just a second here. Like always, I have to say thank you. Uh, to our, our presenting sponsor, the wonder, wonder, the wonderful people over at EclipseHolsters.com. Guys, they hooked you up. All right, their discount code—it's PreparedMindset, all one word. It's gonna save you twenty percent off your order to go pick up a great holster, whether it's outside the waistband, inside the waistband, with a light, without a light. If you carry without a belt, maybe you're a lady listening to this. You're trying to figure out, hey, what's the best way I can carry? You can check out the Alta Clip. You can check out the discrete carry concept clips that they have in stock now and are offered on all of their holsters. They even have velcro designed holsters to work inside of purses, fanny packs, those little uh, you know waistband pockets that are on women's leggings. If you can stitch in some uh, you know hook and loop in there, you can velcro it in as well as I've heard some people even using them on the uh, underarm pockets for some of the 511 uh, concealed carry shirts. So a lot of innovative ideas coming out of Eclipse, we're super, super happy that we get to partner with them because they're doing great work, okay? Quality holsters, again, discount code prepared mindset is going to save you 20% off. And on top of the savings, they're going to make sure for all their customers, three business days or less, that holster, that dump tray, that mag pouch, whatever you got going on, three business days or less, it is out the door. That's right. On its way to you in three business days or less. And if you spend over a hundred bucks, they're going to kick you on up to that free FedEx two day shipping, which is awesome. You know, we had Jess on, you know, uh, a while back here and great, great person. And one of the just foundational things about why they are able to turn things around so quickly and why they insist on being able to turn those products around so quickly is because you need to have access to that holster. You need to have access to that tourniquet carrier, that magazine carrier, whatever it is, you need to have it. You need to be able to carry confidently and safely. It's a responsibility, and they take that very, very seriously over at Eclipse. Go over EclipseHolsters.com, check out the website, see what they have going on. You don't see what you need, you don't see what you want, email Jess and her team. There's a real good chance they'll be able to take care of you, they'll work something out, and if they can't, on some odd chance they can't make it happen... They work with a network of industry partners. They will be able to make a solid recommendation to another company that will still take amazing care of you and make sure that you can get a holster so you can carry eclipseholsters.com. Head over to the site. Take a look, everyone. All right. So music. Music was a big part of my life. And I think we start to see, I'll say a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities between the shooting world and the music world. And I'm not saying, you know, at least not in my, my experiences. Um, this isn't like giant rock bands, you know, rock and roll hall of fame, you know, world-class artists and things like that. Um, I did certainly get to interact with some, some world-class talents. I will say that. Um, but the communities are very, very similar in that, um, experience and ego tend to, uh, drive a lot of different factors. Uh, within the community. All right, and there's a pretty big community for for music and specifically for me It was marching music. Okay, so uh, in high school marching band after I got out of high school It was uh, what they call winter drumline. You guys can head over to a site called wgi.org It's a winter guard international. That's the sanctioning body for it. you can kind of see some of that stuff um, where I basically would take every weekend um, from basically oof, September all the way through to the third week of April and every every weekend was a rehearsal weekend. Um, so get there around six 7 o'clock on Friday night, go to midnight, come home, stay, you know, I lived very, very close to where we had our rehearsal site. So I would stay home in my own bed. Excuse me. Uh, I would stay in my own bed and then we would have to be back up at the school by nine 30 to start rehearsal at 10 the next day to go from 10 a.m until midnight on Saturday and then again, come home, go to sleep. And then the next day, uh, you know, go, uh, usually it was uh, 10 or 11 AM till three in the afternoon for Sundays. Um, and this was all started and spurred for me, uh, in high school. I was very fortunate to go to a, a high school that had a, a really, really strong music program and a really strong, uh, percussion program specifically. So I'm a, I'm a percussionist. I played the snare drum, right. And, uh, this is where it really started. And we talk about how this starts to draw, uh, parallels, right. To, to shooting, uh, to the mindset, right. To training. And this is square one where this really, really began for me. All right. Uh, I was originally a saxophone player all through middle school. I also played football, uh, not, not the most talented, uh, of football players, you know, um, just not didn't have it. Um, and my eighth grade year, you know, end of middle school there, I fell and broke my arm and kind of in a more or less kind of a dramatic decision, right. Decided that my football career or whatever you want to call it was effectively over. And I decided I was going to really throw myself at this whole marching band thing. And, you know, I'd heard that, you know, you get a lot of, uh, you make a lot of friends and the upperclassmen and stuff like that and help. So ended up going, uh, you know, all in on the music bit, spent my freshman year playing saxophone, marching saxophone and learning, uh, kind of the schedule and how to rehearse and how to, and learning a lot of dedication. That was, that was a big step was just the dedication to have a repeatable process and a commitment. So even it was raining and it was shitty cold out, cause you know, the end of October or beginning of November here, when we're doing state finals up here in Michigan, it is, it is not warm. Uh, and you know, as a 13, 14 year old kid, you're just, your levels of commitment are typically, they're typically pretty shitty. (laughs) I mean, I'll just say it was, it's typically pretty shitty. It's only gotten worse, but this is, you know, back when I was growing up. So, uh, saw the drum line, decided like, Hey, that's really cool. Uh, you know, I'm sure those guys get a bunch of chicks. Spoiler alert. We, we don't. (laughs) Um, but I decided, you know, I kind of want to, you know, I want to try this. That looks really cool. I had a buddy that was really trying to do it. So, um, this is where my introduction to my, uh, drum instructor, a man named Ralph Biggs, uh, who I still work with and am good friends with till, you know, this very day, right. Um, he's been the program instructor there for forever and ever and ever. Right. And every year, whether you're a new, uh, person to the group, auditioning or a returning member, you go back to fundamentals, you go back to foundational skills. So in the shooting world, this is when we talk about things like, Hey, when's the last time you worked on your grip, just grip and presentment, right? Or when's the last time you just worked on site picture? When's the last time you broke down your draw stroke? You know what I mean? Like those fundamental core skills that are assumed for anyone that we see that's a, a really, really good shooter, you know, grandmasters in competition or guys that are just some of the best tactical shooters that you've ever seen. None of that comes together, right? Without having mastered the foundational skills. And I, and I mean <clears throat> mastered. Um, and that's how we, we approach this, uh, with drumming. You know, we didn't start on instruments. We would take two by fours. We'd take two chairs and stack them up. So like uh, two chairs, one on top of each other. So they stood sort of, uh, a little bit higher and we'd put two by fours across them and then duct tape them down. And we would drum on the two by fours learning uh, basic stroke types, grip technique, fundamental stuff. It's not something you learn once and then you got it and then you go, you know, and it's just hammered away. And it was, Oh God, it was boring as shit, man. I, I fucking hated it. And I just, I wanted to get to the part where we got the drum got on drums and I, I was lucky enough. I barely got a spot. I was just a bigger kid. I could play the biggest bass drum we had. And, um, and again, I kind of built on this. That's that I will say very shaky foundation I had, uh, of commitment and determination and kind of just will to want to be a little bit, to be better at this. Right. Um, that's where this all started for me was building this mindset, building this, uh, attitude, building this work ethic towards having a overall goal of wanting to be somewhere, you know, like, okay, I wanted to play the bass drum the next season. I want to play the snare drum, um, you know, and it continued on like that through high school. I would work on stuff. I'd practice a lot. It was my entire life for a lot of us. That's how it is with shooting. You know, we dry fire all the time. We go and live fire at the range when we can, all of our money goes towards gun parts and sights and optics and upgrades and batteries and kit, right? Just like when I was in high school, I didn't really have much disposable income, but it went towards drumsticks and stuff, uh drum pads. Um all my free time was looking up uh drumline videos on social media well, what we called social media back then, which was basically a couple individually hosted websites that weren't super awesome. <clears throat> um, this is when YouTube was still pretty much at its infancy. Uh, you know, we're talking way back like oh4 something like that. Um And now today, right, what do we all spend all of our time doing on the old Instagram? Looking up gun videos and reading the articles attached to the pictures on Instagram and following people on YouTube and checking out podcasts, kind of like this one, right? So kind of fast forwarding there a little bit, got through high school and proceeded to march in the winter drumline. That that uh, the same gentleman Ralph and uh, and Jason was the other instructor that ran the the program, and was able to compete at the highest level. uh, Earned a spot my senior year of high school. Spent six years competing at the highest level, doing that winter practice schedule I had mentioned earlier, where we were doing roughly, I mean shit, fourteen hours on Saturday plus five on Fridays, nineteen plus five, you know, 24 hours of rehearsal every weekend, uh, all weekend, you know, I mean, you, uh, Saturdays we got two breaks for, for one for lunch, one for dinner. Um, but that's all you did. And you got there and your mind was just intent. You were just focused on that. That was your goal. Like all the other bullshit and everything just kind of faded away into the background, into the, you know, into the, the static, you know, and all you had to do that entire day was just focus on being better at what you were doing through practice which is kind of the way a lot of us approach classes and why it's so nice when you get to a course, uh, whether it's a six hour, you know, four to six hour beginner course or six to eight hour intermediary course or one of these multiple day master courses. Uh, and I say master because I just, I feel like if you're committing to two, three days, you're, you're, you're beyond a beginner level. And I could be, you know, that could be accurate for some instruction, uh, instructional companies, it could be different for everyone. So I'm just speaking kind of in generalities, right? But that's where I had to learn, you know, the, the patience well, you know, for one thing, um, individual practice will lend itself to your overall goals. Um, <clears throat> and for me, that was, that was tough. Just like, you know, when you're, you're working on your draw stroke, you're drawing from concealment, right? Getting that, hitting that one and a half second mark that I've talked about a bunch of times on this podcast, right? The tooler drill, how fast, uh, you know, an assailant could close that gap, that 20 foot gap on you, one and a half seconds. That can be really disheartening and really upsetting when you try it the first time or the first 20 times and can't get it. Um, I know I really struggled and, and I still am not, I am not you know, overall like super confident in my concealed, uh, tactics abilities it's gotten a lot better, but it's not something that I would count as one of my top three skill sets. It's something I'm still working on and something that I still struggle with. And, you know, and that's how we train. That's why we, you know, music, that's how we practice. Um, But what really made the difference here for me and why I was able to be so successful was because I had a a teacher and instructor in front of me that, 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 reinforced, not only that you had to, that you had to learn the fundamentals <clears throat> but you had to, you had to learn the fundamentals correctly and how to work on them and pass that a step further, not only how to work on them, but how to diagnose whatever issues you're happy, you're, you're, you're having and working through. So, you know, back in the day, I, you know, bust out the parents camcorder and set up the tripod in my bedroom and everything. And I videotape myself on a practice pad, making a bunch of racket and generally just annoying the ever loving piss out of pretty much everybody in my house, you know, and, and then you, you play back the video and you try to see, okay, what does my motion look like? What do my heights look like? When did I fix this thing? I was told was wrong. Fast forward, right? 2022, obviously a lot easier. You just pop your phone on, you know, you can buy a stand, you can lean it against some books or, you know, whatever, but, but same thing. But now it's, it makes more sense. Mentally, I am much more comfortable taking bite sized tiny, tiny you know uh, snippets and and working on those little bits and pieces to try and define where am I placing my hand on the beaver tail when I go to uh, establish a grip to draw the pistol? you know where am I ge- am I grabbing my garment to clear my garment for a uh, concealed uh, draw, right? Where am I positioning? the stock or, or whatever on, uh, my shoulder pocket when I present from high ready, you know, and, and understanding and be able to, to mentally wrap yourself around. This is what it feels like understanding. This is what it feels like understanding to do it over and over and over and shit. That wasn't right. And do it again and again, and shit that wasn't right. And, and This, this mentality that kind of starts to manifest itself among people, you know, in music that, that at least in, in what I will say are successful musicians, people who are, who are really, really successful at this is that you don't practice until you get it right, you know? you, and this is, this is something, uh, Ryan, you know, and I usually, I, I, I raz Ryan on this podcast all the time. He's a great dude. He takes it all in stride and, and everything. And, you know, I raz him about his rifle or whatever. You know, I mean, it just, whatever. But Ryan said something to me when we were teaching together years ago and said something to the kids we were teaching years ago. You're not practicing this stuff until you get it right. You're practicing these things until you can't get it or until You can't get it wrong. Not until you get it right, but until you can't get it wrong. Okay? Consistency is key. And we hear that with a lot of different things in shooting, you know, draw stroke, reload, sight picture. But whether you're looking at a big picture, little picture, whatever, consistency is king. Right? Because if you can't replicate that skill, if you cannot produce the desired outcome when you need to, then it's all for nothing. Same thing, you know, performing as a musician, we would spend all this time, you know, 20, I said 24 hours a weekend, you know, rehearsing, uh, and it was for a five and a half minute long production. So, you know, 24 hours, it's like 96 hours a month, right? For six months. That's, it's a pretty long time, right? Like 575 hours across six months to compete. And that's not counting the the individual practice time you put in at home during the week, after school, after your college classes, after work, before work, whatever. Or I mean, in a lot of instances, we would get together and we would have what we call the sectional, which was just, you know, the snare drums or just the bass drums, um, and rehearse for an hour or an hour and a half outside of those 24 hour long, uh, weekend rehearsals. in in a lot of these instances that can be related to you and your buddies getting together and dry firing, or maybe you're reviewing some video, you know, um, friend of mine, Devin, Devin Soto, who's been on here, he runs, you know, tactical cowboy, uh, you know, training solutions. And he's called me, we've had a couple phone conversations, text conversations, reviewing CQB videos, just talking through it, you know, more him going through it with me and me, trying to, to diagnose what was right and what was wrong. And then him giving me input and correction. Um, but there's a lot of similarities there. You got to put the time in to understand what you're doing and to really work on what you're trying to build here. Additionally, you can even take a lot of this stuff a step further, at least on the music side was what we called uh, drum core, which is you audition, uh, you know, one weekend a month, usually like November, December, January. By February's or uh, whatever rehearsal weekend whatever group you went to is usually when you find out if you get a spot or not. And then you know March, April, May, you have camps, and then in June you have what they call move-ins, which is kind of like the musical equivalent of boot camp, um, albeit abbreviated, where you spend uh, it used to be a week for some places or two weeks. Now you see in some places it's two or three weeks, <clears throat> where all day, every day you're out on the football field learning music, learning how to march, and just military precision, doing it over and over and over and over again. And when you're done with that two or three weeks, then the whole group, this is including brass instruments and stuff too, gets on tour buses and you spend the whole summer touring the country, rehearsing and performing. And then usually I think uh, finals are actually tomorrow night this, uh, this year. So like second week of August is what they call world championships for DCI, or Drum Corps International, and that is regarded as basically the the highest degree of uh, of achievement and performance, you know, is being able to do that. In a lot of instances, unfortunately, there's a pay barrier, because the activity has gotten so expensive. Um, it's like three, four, five grand you have to pay uh, to be a, a member of this, and you can only do it till you're 21. So if you come from a family that isn't with means, it can be very, very difficult in in today's world to do that more than one summer. But it's like the military equivalent. You know, we look at a lot of guys like, oh, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was in the Army. I was in, you know, whatever. And that, that brings some, what we'll say, like some clout or some prestige, you know, around uh, you you as a person or your, your personality or persona on social media and gives more weight behind what you're saying for gear choices and things like that, uh, for about shooting and, and and stuff. Right. And just like we see now with the two A community, um, I apologize guys. I got this drainage thing going on. We're getting crazy weather here in Michigan. Um, just like we see, you know, in the two A community where guys, uh, put the, the military experience uh you know oh he's special operations he's you know uh whatever so whatever he says is is gospel um kind of the same thing with with some of these upper tier groups right for for drum corps and musicians and then you get the instructors or in this case like instagram personalities on the 2a side right and uh big heads huge egos um the main difference being you can make a lot of money teaching people how to shoot and how to train and do all those things, uh, in the two, a community, whether you're good at it or not, if you market yourself correctly and you have a recognizable name, you can make a pretty lucrative living for yourself. Uh, in the music world, it's really not, it's really not the same thing, but the ego is definitely there. And guys like myself who couldn't afford to go do that stuff all summer, um, are kind of looked down upon because, yo, you didn't go do this. So you just, you might, you must not know as much. Um, which is dumb because uh, some of the and, and anybody listening to this, uh, you know, you've all had great, great teachers in your life, whether it was in school, possibly music, probably in shooting, where these guys were just great teachers who knew how to connect with you and your classmates and knew how to communicate and knew how to help you get better. And that's the fucking point, right? It's not what kind of prestige you have. It's not you know, oh, I was in this unit. I you know, I have this patch. I was I deployed on, you know, this continent. I did these things, whatever. If you're looking at it from a teaching perspective, which in in most instances is the point of primary concern for a lot of us, it's not about their individual talent. It's about their teaching ability and their ability to communicate what they know which not everyone has communication is in of itself a skill set Again, not everyone has it, but a lot of people like to act like it doesn't matter because you know, we have egos. We don't want to hear that. We're not really as, uh, as good, uh, at, at doing these things as we would like to believe. And it's a hard pill to swallow, you know, Hey, I know you were a great operator. You're a fantastic shooter and no one's ever going to take that away from you. You're still an amazing shooter but you can't teach worth a shit and vice versa. Like you can teach great and you may have never been on those missions and never wore those patches or been been in those units. You know, a lot of people we've had people on this podcast who are doing great things, both teaching and otherwise who were never in anything, you know, in a, in a big name unit or or anything like that. And that's not a dig on people that were, I'm just saying that it's not a, it's a a determining factor. And the guys that really know what's up, those are the ones that'll agree with me. I just had a conversation with someone last night about that, you know, it, it, Hey, I'm just a guy, you know, I did some stuff. I was fortunate to, you know, walk among giants and it is what it, you know, I'm just a guy doing some stuff, trying to help some people. Usually the very, the most legit of dudes out there doing it, have some of the world's smallest egos and are only there to try and make things better. You know, uh, i like say we had, you know, Ian Strembeck from Rune Nation, come on four years in the Marine Corps and done, right? You know, uh, uh, Steve Winninger, right? He, he owns uh ripcord industries and ripcord training and everything. He's a reservist, you know, uh, Derek Freymeyer, who uh, owns and runs drop six. Derek was in the army. It it, it doesn't matter these guys weren't green berets or Rangers or Delta or, I mean, or whatever, right? They are good at passing on information and helping people and good at what they do. Right. It's, it's not an apples to apples comparison. And again, that's not to rip on any of the guys that I've had on here who have served in those units. It's not, it's just simply making the point that having experienced something at a very, very high level does not mean you will be the very, very high level educator. That's the point that I'm making. And that's a, that's, like I said, you see it in music a lot. You see it in the two A community a lot. And a lot of times it's, you just, you know, one way to explain something because that's the way that it made sense to you and the way that it was explained to you. And you always made it work that way. So that's the only way you knew how to teach it. And that's problematic because not everybody learns the same way. Not when we were in elementary school, not on the, the flat range, not in the music room. Right. <clears throat> and as a, somebody who teaches now myself, uh, and has been teaching since I got out of high school. So I'm actually coming up on about 15 years of teaching here. And that's a struggle, you know, uh, as a young instructor, it was, you had a, you had a couple different ways to explain some things, some things you only knew how to explain one way. And when that didn't work, it it was quickly frustrating. And that's why you see some of these instructors at some of these companies, um, you know, sometimes smaller ones, sometimes big ones, I don't know. Uh, and they get, they get, uh, I don't want to say angry, but they get upset, they get frustrated, they start yelling and and trying and it just immediately escalates to the point of yelling and intimidation trying to push you, right? Still trying to push you to perform better, but it goes straight to negative reinforcement instead of positive reinforcement and just changing up what you're saying, you know, explaining grit more than one way or maybe making a comparison. Hey, you know how you're you're holding this kind of like you're holding a baseball bat and that's not right because you know, this, this, and this, or, you know, one of those things you you can, I I find that drawing parallels to things that you find in everyday life can help people visualize what you're trying to achieve. Right. Uh, and, And it can be very helpful getting people to understand, Hey, this is why we teach you to, you know, grip the front of the rifle this way or, you know, why it's better to have, you know, your rifle closer, the, 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 uh, the stock right closer in, uh, uh, on your chest, <clears throat> you know, rather than out towards the edge of your shoulder or higher or lower turtling your neck and things like that. Being able to explain things in, in, you know, a multitude of ways so that people can, or students, right. Can understand the message. They can, they can understand the communication, right? That's, that's a big deal. You know, not everybody can do it. Um, I can tell you that I've gotten much, much better at it over time. It is not something that, that came ultra easily, and I spent a lot of time thinking about how to teach and thinking about how to phrase things and thinking about how to approach things, and also understanding that just as you struggled as a student, as somebody that's learning, so too are the people in front of you that you're trying to teach. This is especially applicable, I feel like, when you're bringing a friend out to the range for the first time, right? <clears throat> and maybe you want to run some, you know, one reload, one drills, or you want to, you know, run a scrambler, or you want to run a build drill. And it's very easy. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you're teaching, you know, you're, you're teaching your buddy how to play, uh, you know, Xbox or PlayStation for the first time. You know, I remember uh, Sega back in the day learning how to play Mortal Kombat, kid down the street had it. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, cool. I want to be this ninja, you know, whatever. And I don't know how to play. What do I do? And then, you know, fight. And the kid just smokes me and lights my ass up. And he, it's awesome because he knows that I can't, I'm not good. He knows I don't know what I'm doing. And it's low hanging fruit. And, you know, as a kid, you just feed your ego. Like, yeah, dude, I totally just fucking crushed you. It's easy, right. To take that approach and on the range and like, Hey, let's, uh, let's do a build drill. Let's, uh, let's see who's faster. And yeah, here, man, just uh, draw and and six rounds as fast as you can, and watch them either not be able to put up a very good string of shots in a very small amount of time. Obviously, if they're new, uh, and then their <clears throat> their grouping just be massive. Versus you go there and you just run it, smoke that you know that thing, and you're like, oh man, yeah, you know, I crushed you, dude. Check this out. And it's just an opportunity for you to you know pad your ego and all the while crushing. Uh, this this person's confidence, they'll probably never want to come back to the range again in all honesty, right. Um, and it's it's like that with teaching. you know, you have to understand that whether it's music, whether it's shooting, whether it's math, uh, whether it's reading, whatever, right that you have you have to understand that you were there too at one point. You have to have the maturity and the wherewithal to understand that, this isn't going to get better overnight. I mean, and some things are just like, hey, stop doing that, you know, if it's something dumb. But if it's something you genuinely have to think about, you have to work on muscle memory, consistency, like draw stroke, for an example, or reload speeds or whatever, it's got to be worked on. It The only remedy for that is time, you know, and hey, uh, just like with music, hey, you really struggle at playing this. this, this section of music, or we call them in, in drumming, we call it a rudiment, Right go do it 500 times. Teach them the right way to do it. Show them the right technique. Show them, hey, look for this. Don't do that. Whatever. Show them the basics. And then, yeah, hey, you know what? Sometimes the only way to get better at some stuff is just to do it, you know, 500 times or do it a thousand times and repetition and repetition and repetition. And, you know, obviously then you're teaching them, look for this, make, you know, commit yourself to one, two, three do these three things when you're doing this drill, whether it's a one reload one drill or drawing from concealment or drawing from a holster or um, presenting from high ready. And I mean, whatever. You understand what I'm saying is that <clears throat> whatever the skill set is, you're teaching what to look for. But then it's also on the students to go go home and put the time in. And it, it is, you know, and some people pick shit up, you know, super, super quick. It was always jealous of those people. I was always somebody that had to just work very hard um, to get where I wanted to be, uh, whether it was with music or with shooting. Um, and some of you guys can see, you know, in the two years since we've launched this, uh, project, since this podcast has kicked off, you go back and you watch some of my earliest videos. It was not pretty. It really wasn't. It was very bad. There were a lot of technical issues and dare I say technique issues with things like draw stroke or whatever with reloads, right? Fast forward to today still kind of ugly <laughs> in a lot of regards, uh, but better, you know, you can see where there's been some improvements made and, and, and just, and again, just like with music, you have to track these things. You have to practice these skills when you're out shooting, you have to have a metric to understand where your limits are at with music. It's a metronome. How fast can I play this correctly? How slow can I play this correctly? Cause at least with drumming, right? your muscle groupings, every time you shift uh, more than maybe three, four, five clicks on that metronome, one direction or the other, you it's, it changes the feel of what you're playing. So you really have to adapt and you have to have mastered some the control over what the stick or the mallet is doing, uh, and how you make it feel in your hands to, to do what you want. <clears throat> Just like with shooting, you know, uh, going fast, isn't always the answer. And you have to be able to do things at a multitude of speeds and isolate and build up those pieces until your overall picture is what you're trying to, trying to achieve. You know, um, it can be tough. It it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And just like we talk about in music, where we talk about a a practice plan, like, Hey, we're going to practice for an hour a day. I'm going to do 20 minutes of this and 20 minutes of this, 15 minutes of this, and then five minutes of whatever. We talk about having a range plan, okay? In both worlds, it does you absolutely no good, right? And you've seen a lot of people talk about this on Instagram. I know lately it especially has been a thing because ammo is so much more expensive in the post-COVID world, uh, and and so much less accessible in many instances, right? Maximize your range time. If you're paying for the time, that's money out of your pocket. If you're exp- if you're spending that ammo as well, that's additional money out of your pocket and that's ammo, you may not be able to replace easily. So you have to be careful and you need to make sure that every round you put down range is something is building towards something better, is building towards a specific goal you have. And sometimes there's small goals, you know, and that's okay. In music, sometimes it's, Hey, I want to add 20 clicks on my top, uh, uh, tempo on the metronome, or maybe it's only 10 clicks. Maybe it's only five clicks, just depending on where you're at right? <clears throat> with shooting, Hey, I want to, I want to drop a 10th. And we, we all know, right. If you're working with a shot timer and you're tracking your goals, you know, I got a whiteboard, uh, down here in my, uh, dry fire dojo, if you will, uh, tracking my probably what 10, 10 or 12 favorite dry fire drills that I work on. And, you know, I, I keep a record of those times and I keep a record of those dates and it is not easy. Sometimes cutting a 10th, or cutting a hundredth of a second down can be a, a big breakthrough. But you have to set those small goals and you have to work on them and you have to find creative ways to to break it down and isolate those those little things and those little nuances. Sometimes repetition alone will be enough. Um, a lot of times just doing it over and over and over and over again, if it's not actually yielding any productive results, there's probably a more underlying issue there, right? Can be true in music, can be true in shooting you know, um, but, but for me, this is, it it really is, it was a huge part of who I, who I am, you know, um, and one thing that I will say that music does is really, really well. That's very comparable to, you know, whether it's the military or, or you you know, you can just say the two A space in general is the camaraderie. You know, you go through a class with somebody You know, shooting targets all day, sweating your ass off, having a you know, having a good time, but working hard and everything, striving towards a common goal, you build that that camaraderie. Um, same thing when I was in, you know, marching band and, and winter drumline and the guys that I went through all those rehearsals with, you are you're dedicated, right? You're most of you anyways, you're all dedicated to a a common goal. You know, you're striving for success. You're striving to be the highest level that you can be. Right, your execution can be as close to perfect as you all can make it together, um, and and that's you know obviously that's like small unit tactics, you know uh, whether it's four or five guys in a small unit tactics or you know seven or eight guys playing the snare drum at the same time. You're you're all striving towards that common goal, and you make jokes and you spend all this time together. And a lot of instances, you end up being closer than brothers, closer than family. I certainly. There's a couple of guys I had the, the good fortune of marching with, you know, from high school into the winter during college and everything, guys that they stood up with me in my wedding, stood up, I stood up in their wedding, guys that, you know, they have, you had that, that friendship that you can just not talk to them for six months. And then you pick up the phone and it's like you have, you talked yesterday, you know, it's just those kinds of friends and those kinds of quality people that you would do anything for. Now, I mean, you're also going to have the shit bags and that's, <clears throat> that's a skill set and it's only you have to learn with or learn to deal with is that not everyone is going to be as dedicated as you and not everyone is going to be as dedicated in the same ways that you are. We talk about things like communications being important. We talk about shooting. We talk about land navigation. We talk about all kinds of different things that are important and, and important in different ways, right? So, Understanding that different people value different things, it can be a it can be a real strength, right? Because then you have a nice well-rounded team or a well-rounded uh, group unit, whatever you wanna, whatever word you wanna use. So everyone's okay at everything, but then you have a couple guys who specialize in radios and com work. You have one guy who specializes in the land nav and the bushcraft type things. You have one guy who's, you know, your your weapons person who knows how to how to fix stuff. Not talking about gunsmithing, but you know, has the armor uh armor knowledge, who knows how to diagnose why your gun's not running or hey, this you know, part fell off or popped out or you know, whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Everyone <clears throat> can have their own focus. And together that can be a real strength. It can be annoying if you lack the maturity to, to realize that that is sometimes how it works. It can also be a problem if the focus is so extreme in one regard or in one area of things and so, and and so sorely lacking in others that then it becomes a detriment to the group. Um, you know, it's a little bit, this is where it's not exactly a straight comparison because when people were in the group, after they made it past the auditions, um, you were kind of stuck with them. You know, and kind of like in, I would assume anyways, in the military, like sometimes you just have shit dudes in the, in, in the unit or total horse shit leaders that are there because they're just the most senior person and you just, you have to learn to fucking deal with it. Or you got, you know, people in charge making decisions you don't agree with, whether it's instructors, you know, on the music side, anyways, was instructors. Sometimes it was a unit director. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, one of the designers or something on the shooting side, it could be you know, military, right. Or law enforcement, it's those who are in command, those who are out, who aren't out there doing it, but are making the decisions that are then directly, uh, and ultimately impactful on you and what you are doing. Right. So some, you know, certainly some similarities there and something that you can draw parallels to, but, um, you know, there, there's a lot there. If I, if I had never, Gone through what I went through, learning music and learning that dedication. I definitely wouldn't be sitting here doing what I'm doing now. Um, you know, and I'll be honest. Uh, kind of after I got to a point with, you know, I aged out when I was 22. That's what they call it. And you can't compete after you're 22 years old in the winter. 21 for the the drum corps. Um, I went to teaching. You know, I wanted to learn how to share these these all these awesome experiences I had. Um, that that they helped me cope with so much in high school that, that all those awkward feelings in high school, where you don't know if you have friends or you don't know, or you're lost on your first day or your first month in high school or whatever. I didn't have that because I had a network of people in the band program to, to help save me. And that's why networking is important. We talk about networking in the two A community, a shitload. It's even more important, you know, connecting with people around you, making sure that you all work together to be successful and happy and, you know, grow those friendships. But I wanted to become a teacher because I wanted to share, I wanted to share that, all those awesome feelings and those awesome memories with next generations of individuals, students, boys, girls, whatever, you know, th- that wanted to learn that. And it kept me involved with an activity that I, I just loved, you know, and I still do, um, you know, going away to teach camp for uh, a week. A lot of people, I was telling people at work. You know, Hey, I'm going away next week. I'll be teaching band camp. They oh, what a, what a miserable way to spend your vacation. And I mean, to some extent, I mean, I get it right. You know, smelly high school kids with questionable hygiene, overly dramatic, uh, today's world being what it is possibly woke AF, you know, I I get where people's minds go with that kind of thing, but you know, it, it is a little bit different. You have, you have such a passion for what you're, you're doing and what you're teaching. Uh, and a personal level of enjoyment and being, and you enjoy being around the people that are, uh, with you, <clears throat> that stuff is all kind of in the rear view. It's all just kind of adjacent bullshit, really. You know, um, like, uh, Ralph, the mention, the, the gentleman that I had mentioned is my instructor is I still work with him. The other guy that's coming up with us, Scott, uh, Scott was one of my instructors in high school. Scott married one of my good friends that I had gone to school with since her and I were in kindergarten together, went all through school together. They're married now, and they're both very, very good friends of mine. So, in addition to all that, I get to spend time with with them, you know. And like I said, I get you know get to get away from being in front of a computer screen and being such a slave to social media and. Uh, sitting inside the house, you know, as humans, and this is something that you know, I think a lot of us struggle with, is just, and 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 in that regard, is this regard as well, a reason why you should get involved uh, or have your kids get involved in outdoor sports, marching band, whatever it is. As humans, we were never designed on a, I'll I'll say a genetic level, whatever you want to say it is, we were not supposed to spend all of our time indoors you know as stir crazy and you know i mean you caught cabin fever whatever we all got when we were under lockdown from covid where in a lot of communities uh certainly some here in southeast michigan where you were uh i mean we had curfews in effect uh you could go people were going for walks in the neighborhood and stuff and you were literally you saw another person coming on the sidewalk you cross the street because everyone was so deathly afraid that if you just you know went six feet up someone's driveway while they walked by that wouldn't be enough and you would somehow transmit COVID to them most certainly which would then lead to all but certain death you know so getting outside and disconnecting and and just having fun it can be a huge stress reliever you know Um, especially we're talking about as men as we get you know later on in life and stuff, testosterone and dropping testosterone and things. One of the easiest things we can do to help with that is vitamin D, get out and get some sun, you know? And for a lot of us, you work a factory job. Like my dad, my dad works a factory gig. There ain't no windows in that fucking place. There are no windows. You do not see the sun for that eight hour shift. Or if you're trying to support a family like my dad, um, <clears throat> and you're working lots of overtime, and for years and years and years and years and years, you're working not eight-hour shifts. You're working ten hours or twelve hours, right? And you're you don't take days off. It, it's a, it works a little bit different in finance where I'm at, where we only work Monday to Friday. Uh, it's a little different in the manufacturing sector when these plants can't go down, because every minute they're down is however many hundreds of thousands of dollars the company's losing. So you think about that, you know, like I think about that a lot. Actually, my dad spends, you know, uh, 10 hours a day for 47 or 50, whatever, however many days in a row without taking a day off. And then he comes home and he sits inside because he's just exhausted and then he gets up and does it again. when he does, when he is outside going to work, it's dark when he's coming home, you know, maybe not so much, but Uh, we're not as humans designed to function that way. And we all really, really, really need to take the time to get outside and breathe fresh air. You know, like that's the one thing I like about going away to band camp. You know, when I was in high school, it was four hours away up in Northern Michigan. Um, now it's, I think it's like two hours away, but it's a different area, obviously fresh air. You know, there's not manufacturing centers all over the place where these camps are. There's not, you know, city lights and everything. One of my favorite things to do, honestly, because when I go up as an instructor, I'm not a chaperone. So after rehearsal ends, we go hang out on the beach and it's crazy how much darker it is because there's no city lights like there is where I live and you can see the stars and you can, you can chart constellations and see all this stuff. And it's such a different and unique experience, you know? And I know I'm kind of getting a little bit away from the point here, but I think it is really important to mention that activities like this, it doesn't have to be marching band necessarily or music for that matter. It could just be hiking or camping or, I mean, getting away for a weekend with your buddies and learning how to do land navigation. Get the fuck out of the house. You know, I say this as somebody who dry fires predominantly for my training and practice because of my schedule, uh, my commitments, all kinds of things. It is really nice to have an outlet to get out of the house, get away from the screens, interact with human beings. Since now everybody's working remote and we only see each other through screens. It is great to have interpersonal communications and build relationships and have encounters and things, which we took for granted, uh, in 2019 and the beginning of 2020 before all the world changed over, over COVID. Right. So, <clears throat> but I digress, you know, um, there's a lot of similarities there. Like I said, music had, has very much helped to shape my, my mindset, my work ethic, my, uh, the way I approach practicing. And there's been, I put up a couple of different videos using a metronome, even to train, you know, I saw videos, uh, years ago of Travis Haley teaching shooting cadence using a metronome. You know, uh, I think he was running a L pres drill and using the metronome to teach cadence. And where it was important is with an L-Prez, you have three targets, right? For anybody who doesn't know, and you move from the left target to the right target to the right target, and then you come back, right? Two shots, two shots, four shots, then you come back, two shots, two shots. Where it becomes important with the cadence is that you are then minimizing or, or focusing on minimizing your transition time from target to target. So you're not just getting bop, 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 bop. bop. It's, you know, pop, 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 and come back. Right. And you get faster together and your transition time ends up shrinking. Um, you can also use a metronome. I've used it to help break down my draw stroke from my duty belt, uh, using a four-count uh, method where I count one, you know, I, uh, index the, um, index my hand on the back strap count two, the gun comes up and my, uh, my support hand indexes off my, on my, my chest, um, on three, the gun comes center and I form the grip. And then on count four, I press out and get sight picture. And then you can even do a, you know, in percussion, we call it a release note or the next downbeat on count one is could be a trigger pull. If you want, you could stop on four. You could, you go to one and do the trigger break. If you want, when I first started dry firing and really wanted to build consistency to start, to start building speed, that's I did that a lot, and it was easy because just like you know I, I borrowed all these skill sets and ideas from music where I could just track. Well, this was my tempo. Hey, Monday night I worked on this for an hour, and this was the high, the fastest tempo I got before the wheels started coming off and I started really having problems, you know, and <clears throat> stuff like that. It helps you isolate. Okay, well, if I'm hitting beat three early, then what does that mean? It means that I am, you know, I'm rushing this process or I'm rushing my grip well, if I'm rushing my grip, maybe I need to look at, am I forming my grip correctly? Am I forming it in the same place every time, right? Whether that's how my hands lock together, how my hand is placed on the frame, you know, uh, of, of the pistol. Again, how to be analytical about these things, what kinds of questions to ask and how to realize inconsistency, you know, and when to know that, hey, there I know that we talk a lot in shooting about, you know, don't give up the rep, finish the drill. Sometimes if in my opinion, right, it's okay to quit the rep. You don't want to build bad habits. Now, if it's an actual drill, we'll say something where you're simulating, you know, uh, so, some kind of situation, you know, whether vehicle dynamics or on the range. And the whole point is to work through malfunctions and to work through issues and stuff. That's different. If you are trying to build the correct muscle memory and the correct understanding of a very specific skill set like grip, like presentment, like your sight picture, it does absolutely no good for you to, you know, finish a shitty rep. In my mind, if you can, you can break those things down far enough that those are two distinct skill sets. And again, this is something I, I borrow from music all the time. When we look at in marching band, we have like a judging sheet. And one of the captions is recovery, you know, uh, and the highest mark you can get, for, I think it's like five out of five or box five or whatever, or box six. And it says in there specifically mistakes happen and are evident, but are immediately corrected. So in some instances, yes, I learned that you need to just stop where you're at and restart because you want to build foundationally a good uh, muscle memory. You want to, you want to build correctly. In other instances, you have to realize that you're past that You make a mistake, you got to fucking fight through it. So in shooting, if it's a malfunction, I got to clear it. How am I clearing it? I tap the mag, nothing's happening. I racked this, you know, tapped and racked, nothing's happening. Well, What's happening? What's next? How do I solve this and how do I salvage this and how do I get back in the fight, right? Recovery is huge in music. It's huge in a gunfight. I assume I've never actually been in one, but there's a reason why so many instructors teach it. Okay, because if you just quit in the middle of a life or death situation, you are dead, right? That's just it is what it is. So there's 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 a lot of similarities there, you know. And this is something I've wanted to talk about for a while because, for as different as the two worlds are, I mean, music being predominantly liberal, and obviously guns and shooting and training and and preparedness all being predominantly conservative. There's a whole hell of a lot of overlap there that I think that. Honestly, I think it's, it's pretty cool because I think a lot of people that are getting into owning firearms and learning how to train, um, a lot of people probably do have some kind of musical background or musical training and everything's relative, right? And it just becomes that much easier to understand that you're not that far off from being able to successfully practice and be being, being able to get a little bit better on your own utilizing skills and thought processes that you may already have now just like with music you need to seek out or search out uh, proper instruction you are not going to get it all on your own with no help but the only limiter on your success is how much time effort hard work you're willing to put in so seek out good instruction well, you know, whether it's a, you know, you can even do private lessons for shooting private instruction, right. You can do classes and you definitely should, right. Or maybe you're somebody who served in the military and you're just looking to get better. Obviously military experience isn't always the key indicator of who's going to be a good shot and who's not, or who knows the most about, you know, close quarters tactics and, and who doesn't, you know, um, there's percentages out there, right. Only like 1% of the military sees combat and only about 1% of our Population in the United States serves in the military, so so on and so forth. Blah 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 blah. Right. So, dedicated instruction can be important, but the only limitation is yourself and the amount of time, effort, and energy you're willing to put into these things. When I was in high school and I wanted to go march uh, in the winter, I wanted to be in a world-class ensemble. I wanted to be the best I could be and 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 stack myself up and and uh, be judged against the best in the world at what I was doing. I just I worked it, I worked my ass off. I got private lessons. Um I watched a ton of videos. I inundated myself with information and did research to understand things and see new kinds of music and new styles. And I got faster at reading music and faster at processing information, which is huge for, for shooting as well, right? Uh, I got better at, at, you know, just processing and storing data. You know, it doesn't take me forever to learn uh, drills anymore. Uh, you just like sight reading music where you see it for the first time and you, you play through it immediately after. You don't have weeks and weeks and weeks to work on it. Uh, these things all lend themselves back and forth to each other. And hey, you know, honestly, if you're good at breaking these things down mentally and you're a shooter, there is no, nothing saying it doesn't work the, the opposite way. You can go, go learn an instrument understand it's going to be as painful as it was when you were you know, learning how to shoot. It's going to take some time to build it up, but there's nothing saying that you can't go learn an instrument no matter how old you are, you know, 45, 50, 65, or, or 25 or 15, whatever, you know? Um, but this, these are my experiences. And it's, like I said, it's a story I wanted to share and, and something I really wanted to talk about because it's a huge part of who I am. And I think, I, I mean, I know, not I think I, I definitely know that without the experiences that I had earlier in life as a musician and the dedication that I, that was forged and instilled in me by my instructors and the people that I was fortunate enough to interact with, I would not be where I'm at right now with my shooting, with this podcast, with this, this thirst for, for knowledge and wanting to do more and wanting to be better. And that desire to, to help other people find this information and achieve those same, same kind of goals. It just, it, I don't even know where my life would be without it. So I know this is a little bit off the the beaten path for what you guys expect out of this podcast. Um, you know, I, I hope you guys liked it or, or, or maybe we're able to relate to it at least a little bit. Um, I think the more common ground we're able to find and the more we're able to relate to each other, uh, the faster we'll be able to grow this community you know, and the stronger we'll be be able to become. I think the world's very divided right now. I think politics are such a driving factor that it's, it's so easy to cut people out of your life and to lose those connections and to let your network crumble and fail. Um, I think the more that we can do to, to get around that, the better off we'll be, you know, for example, hell, you know, I just, I went and saw my dad yesterday and I don't even know how the fuck we got. i talking about Donald Trump and he hates Trump. I don't know why, but he thinks that Trump was trying to assassinate Mike Pence because of what the news told him. And he thinks that Trump's just the world's biggest liar. And he can't believe that the Republicans want to put him back up for nomination. And it's, it, you know, it, that's my father. And uh, the, it's very divisive right now. And it's something we all got to, you know, uh, combat. And the only way that that's going to get fixed is by embracing the similarities that we have and accepting the differences that we have. So like I said, I, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this or or maybe just got something out of it. Or at the very least, maybe you just listen to this and go, huh, it's kind of neat. Didn't realize that. Uh, and I definitely encourage you guys to check out, you know, uh, wgi.org, dci.org. If you have kids that want to get into music research what your, your school district's music programs are like. Um, you know, the he-haw halftime marching band stuff where they just play popular songs off the radio, not going to give the same level of work ethic and dedication, um, that we're talking about here. You know, so if that's really what you're trying to build in your, in your, your kid, um, or that you want for them, maybe time to look at switching schools. And a lot of people are talking about homeschooling, so this might even be a non-issue and there's other ways to teach it. I'm just saying, we can't always force people in our lives to, to embrace these things. So if you, you know, things like shooting and training and hunting and all that stuff. So if you can find ways to kind of build those characteristics that are, um, involved with both sides or, or, you know, associated with, with what you're trying to achieve as an end goal, Hey, maybe this helps with that. I don't know. Like I said, uh, when this comes out, I will be in the mid- the midst of a, uh, I like that word midst. I'll be in the midst of a high school band camp, uh, knee deep in teenage, uh, dramas and breakups and romances and, uh, achievement at all levels and failings at all levels and, and, and growth within some very, uh, talented, uh, you know, high schoolers. So it's a really cool experience for me and, uh, I'm excited for, for them and for them to experience that kind of growth and achievement and that, that, that awesome feeling when they start to hit some goals so i'm i'm really looking forward to it and really looking forward to uh spending time away from home uh and and disconnecting from uh, electronics for a while so thanks guys for tuning in and listening uh next week we'll be getting back to you know some uh, some awesome interviews uh always working to bring a, a better a better guest or or i shouldn't say better guest uh, the next you know, good guests and things on people to talk and, and to hear what they have to say and stories to share and stuff. And we've had some really, really awesome ones in the past six months or so. Uh, so more of that to come, but that's all I got for you guys this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more next time, but until then get out there, work hard, train smarter. And like we always say here, be prepared.